You're listening to the latest preaching from Brixham Community Church. This morning we've come to the third talk in our series, First Steps in the Christian Life. And we've based our thoughts on two verses in Acts chapter 2, verses 38 and 39, where Peter, speaking to the crowd on the day of Pentecost, said, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Our subject today then is receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about repent, we've talked about be baptised and I'm just going to recap those briefly and then we'll move into the theme for today, receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. What did we say in our first talk? And if you're listening online or you didn't have the opportunity to listen to that talk, I recommend that you uh, get into brixham.church and you will find the podcast there. So we said repent. It means change your mind, have a change of heart, change your lifestyle. And we talked about getting on a train or the motorway and you discover you are going the wrong way. And what do you have to do? Well, first of all, you have to realize that you're going the wrong way. You need to regret that you're going the wrong way and you need to turn around. You need to return. And in a sense, that's a picture of what it is to become a Christian. You realize that you've been going the wrong way. You haven't been going God's way. You're sorry about it. You regret it. And you decide to turn around. And you can't do that on your own. You need God's help. But you can turn around if you turn to Christ. It was Jesus who said, repent and believe the good news. It's good news that you can turn your life around, but only with God's help. So that was talk number one in a nutshell. And then last time we talked about being baptized and uh, a summary of that very, very quickly. Firstly, we noted that Jesus commanded his disciples to make disciples and to baptize them. So it follows because Jesus commanded it, that all followers of Jesus should be baptized. If you're a follower of Jesus, you should be baptized. But we pointed out the word baptize means to immerse, to dip under the water. It cannot mean sprinkle. So you've only been truly baptized if you've been immersed. Sprinkling's not enough. What's more, there's no such thing as infant baptism anywhere in the Bible. Baptism is for those who have already repented, believed, and become disciples. And we gave biblical reasons for that very clearly last time. So if you're a follower of Jesus and you've not been immersed in water since you came to faith in Christ, I ask the question, finished with this last time, isn't it time that you were So this is what Peter was saying to this crowd of people on the day of Pentecost. And uh, the other thing he added was, and you will receive the gift 
of the Holy Spirit. So in a sense, these are the first three steps of what some people call Christian initiation. First three steps in becoming a Christian. So today we're going to talk about what it means to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And in the time available, I cannot really deal with this as fully as I would like. However, the good news is I've written a little book about it. It's called A New Dimension. And if you're present in the meeting this morning and you want to know more about this, please come and ask for one. And if you're listening online, you can get hold of one by visiting my website, www.davidpets.org. Okay? So, that's just to let you know about more availability on this subject if you would like it. So, what are we actually going to do in this talk then? We're going to answer the question what it means to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit by asking five other questions, five separate questions. What's the purpose? What does it look like? When is it received? How can I know I've received? And how can I receive? Okay, so that should deal with it fairly comprehensively. And it's going to be fairly simple and fairly straightforward. Most of what we're going to say is to be found in the book of Acts. So we'll begin with what's the purpose and for that you need to look at Acts chapter 1 and I'm just going to read to you verses 4 and 5 and 8. It says this, on one occasion while he, that's Jesus, while Jesus was eating with them he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem but wait for the gift my father promised which you've heard me speak about for John baptized with water but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now just notice the word gift in verse 4 and the word promised in verse 4. And if you go back to our basic text for these talks, Peter says you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you. So what Peter is talking about in Acts 2, 38 and 39 is what Jesus is talking about in Acts 1, verses 4 and 5. Wait for the gift my Father promised, the gift of the Holy Spirit. In a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. Not baptised in water that we were talking about last week, but baptised in the Holy Spirit. Immersed, if you like, in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And in verse 8, he gives us the purpose for this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And I've highlighted three parts of that. Power, witnesses, to the ends of the earth. That's what it's all about. Do we want to see people come to Jesus? Do we want power to tell other people about Jesus? The power is the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when Peter is talking to this crowd and he's telling them, repent and be baptized and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, he is telling them they could have the power that he's just received 
that they too can tell other people about Jesus. You cannot overemphasize the importance of this subject. So that's first question answered. What's the purpose? It's receiving power to be witnesses everywhere. That includes Brixham or wherever you may be listening from this morning. Second question then, what does it look like? So let me begin this section by reminding ourselves of the context in which Peter said it. Jesus had died, risen again, appeared to his disciples for 40 days and 40 nights, and then in Acts chapter 1, he gives them his final commands, which we've just read. Wait in Jerusalem for the gift that my father has promised you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You're going to receive power to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. So in obedience, the disciples went to Jerusalem and waited for the Holy Spirit. And 10 days later, on the Jewish feast of Pentecost, suddenly it happened and the Holy Spirit came. And there were amazing manifestations of God's presence sound of a rushing wind, uh, flames on their heads, what looked like flames on their heads and so on. And then they're filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in tongues. That is, they spoke languages they'd never learned. And the crowd, present for the day of Pentecost, come to Jerusalem for this great big feast that the Jews had in those days. Uh, the crowd asked the question, what? What's the explanation of this? What does this mean? How is it we can hear these people from Galilee speaking our languages, languages they've never learned? What's the explanation? And some people said, they're just drunk. But Peter replied, no, they're not drunk, as you think they are. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. People surely don't get drunk then. Okay, this is that which was spoken in the Old Testament by the prophet Joel. I will pour out my spirit on all people. And so Peter went on to preach to this crowd about Jesus, whom they'd crucified, but who God had raised from the dead. And as Peter was preaching, the crowd asked the question, what should we do? And Peter's reply is, the basic text that we're using for these talks. What should we do? Repent and be baptized and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, the question I want to ask you is very simply this. What would the crowd expect to happen to them when they received the gift of the Holy Spirit? Now, you see, 2,000 years have gone by and if I ask that question to some Christians today, what do you expect to happen to you when you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? I might get many different kinds of answer. Um, like I might feel good inside or, um, uh, well, it might make me a better person or, um, uh, oh, I might shake from head to toe or I, I might fall on the floor or whatever. Um, and, you know, we get all these kind of answers because that's the kind of thing people say they've experienced. Um, but let's get back to the heart of the matter. What would this crowd have expected? Well, what had the crowd seen happen? 
They'd seen the disciples filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to speak languages they had never learned. They'd asked, what does this mean? Peter had given them the answer, preached to them about Jesus, told them that they needed to repent, but that if they repented and were baptized, they could receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What was that? The ability to speak languages they'd never learned. In the context, surely that is what the crowd would have expected them to, themselves to be able to do. And so, what does it look like? What it looks like, and it can take various forms, and all kinds of things can happen, and yes, you can feel good, and yes, you can shake a bit, and yes, some people have fallen on the floor, and so on, but none of those things are actually recorded in Scripture, so we don't actually say we're looking for those things, but one thing we do see is that they begin to speak in tongues. All right, so I shall say a bit more about that in a moment. Next question, though, is when is it received? And we go back to our text. This is not the same as conversion. It's not the same as what the Holy Spirit does for you when you get saved. When you ask Jesus to be your saviour, or in the words of the, our text, when you repent, when you turn from your sins, believe in Jesus, accept Jesus to be your saviour, what happens? The Holy Spirit makes you a new person. You are created afresh in Christ. In the words of Jesus in John's Gospel, you are born again by the work of the Holy Spirit. But receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit is not that. Receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit is something which happens afterwards. How do I know? Well, we're going to look at some passages in Acts, but start with our verses in Acts 2.38. Peter says, repent and be baptized and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Note the order. He expected you to get saved, repent, and be baptized in water, which is always after conversion, as we saw last time, and then you would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So he can't be talking about the Holy Spirit's work in conversion, convicting them of sin and making them new creatures in Christ. He's talking about something different. All right. So... It's after conversion. Another example of this is Acts chapter 8 and the Samaritans. And I'm going to read verses 14 to 17. If you want the whole story, start at verse 1. But uh, I'm going to start at verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God. Now that's a phrase used in the book of Acts to mean becoming Christians. They'd received the gospel. They'd received the truth. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, which happened through Philip's ministry, if you read the opening verses of the chapter, they sent Peter and John, the apostles, two of the apostles, to them. 
And when they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. So you see, they haven't yet received the Holy Spirit. But as we read in verse 16, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, they'd simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now we read earlier in the chapter that they've believed Philip preaching the name of Jesus Christ. Now we read they've been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they've done the repenting, they've done the being baptized bit, but something hasn't happened yet. They haven't yet had the Spirit come upon them, in the words of verse 16, or in the verse, words of verse 17, they received the Holy Spirit when Peter and John placed their hands on them. So again, it's not the Spirit's work in conversion, it's the Spirit's work in empowering. It's the Spirit coming upon them. And do you remember those words we read earlier in the talk, which Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So what is this passage telling us about the Samaritans? They were saved, they were baptized in water, but they hadn't yet had the power of the Spirit coming on them to empower them for witnessing. That hadn't happened yet. In my experience, I made a decision for Christ at the age of 14 and I was baptized in water at the age of 14. But nobody in that church told us about or possibly even believed in the empowering of the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Spirit to empower us for witness. And it was five years later when I heard about what it meant to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then, so I was like a Samaritan for those five years, um, saved, baptized in water, but not yet baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that may be the position of some of you listening this morning or here present with us at BCC this morning. You may be saved, but you've not yet been empowered with the Holy Spirit in this way. You've not yet, perhaps some of you, not yet been baptized in water. Well, last week I did suggest very strongly it's time that you were. All right. So this is not the same as conversion. One final passage in Acts. This is Paul, Acts 19. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. So he told the people to believe in the one coming after him. That is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So here are some people they're followers of John the Baptist. Paul doesn't know that. He sees them. They look like Christians. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Because there's something obviously missing. We never heard of the Holy Spirit. 
And so Paul concludes, ah, okay, what kind of baptism did he have? John's baptism. Ah, you've not yet heard about Jesus. So he tells them about Jesus, the one that John had foretold would come, indeed had come. And so uh, they become Christians. They are baptized with Christian baptism, not just John the Baptist baptism. They are baptized with Christian baptism. Paul lays his hands on them and the spirit comes on them and they speak in tongues and prophesy. So it's immediately after they've heard about Jesus, they've been baptized in water and immediately after that, they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So it's again, different from what happens when you are saved. Although on this occasion, it's very clearly happening all on the same day. So that brings us to the question, how can I know if I've received? And from what you've gathered so far, you can't assume that you have received just on the basis that you are a Christian. That I think is fairly clear from what we've been saying. So, okay, I'm a Christian. How do I know if I've received the gift of the Holy Spirit? Well, let's look at some passages in Acts again. Acts 2.4. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The first thing that's recorded in Acts 2 when the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit for the very first time, was that they began to speak languages they'd never learned. Go to Acts chapter 10, and particularly verse 46, but I'm going to read from verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on. You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, Jesus said. The Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers, that means the Jewish Christians, who'd come with Peter, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. Peter was preaching to a Roman centurion called Cornelius and his household. Wow, even the Gentiles are receiving the Holy Spirit, thought the Jewish Christians. How did they know? Verse 46, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. How did they know they had received the Spirit? They heard them speak in tongues. Then Peter said, can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They've received the Holy Spirit just as we. Wow. Just notice in passing the fact that they'd received the baptism in the Holy Spirit before they were baptized in water didn't exempt them from the command of Jesus to be baptized in water. They still, Peter said, got to get baptized in water. It's a matter of obedience. And then in Acts 19 and verse 6, when Paul placed his hands on them, this is the Ephesians again. We've already mentioned those briefly. The Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So wherever there's a full description of people being filled with the Spirit 
receiving the Spirit, baptized in the Spirit, these are all interchangeable terms. Whenever there's a full description, the first thing that's recorded after it is that they speak in tongues. Now you may say, well, what about the Samaritans? Because if you've read the passage, and we read part of it this morning, uh, it doesn't mention speaking in tongues when Paul, uh, when Peter and John lay hands on the Samaritans. No, it doesn't tell us what happened. It just said they received through the laying on of hands. But we are told that Simon the sorcerer saw something, Acts 8 verse 18. So it must have been something remarkable that this, that this guy, Simon, saw something and actually uh, offered money, something which he should never have done, to buy this particular gift. As we shall see in a minute, it's not something you can pay for in any way at all. All right. So... Wherever there is a full description, the first thing mentioned after people received the Spirit was that they spoke in tongues. So that's why we believe that speaking in tongues is the evidence we should expect today. And there are some other reasons for that which we can find in 1 Corinthians 14. I'm not going into it in some detail, but you may say, what's the point of speaking in tongues? We've answered what's the point of receiving the baptism of the Spirit, power to be witnesses. What's the point of speaking in tongues? Well, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 4, when you speak in tongues, you edify yourself. You strengthen yourself spiritually. You build yourself up. Wow, isn't that a good reason? And then he says in verse 14 that when you are speaking in tongues, you are praying with your spirit. When I pray in English, I'm praying with my mind. When I pray in tongues, I am praying with my spirit. And Paul says, what shall I do? I will pray in tongues. I will pray with my understanding as well. We should do both. And the Corinthians were speaking in tongues, possibly in church, rather too much. Um, and so he, he says, well, you're, you're speaking and you're praying with your spirit well enough, but what about praying with your intelligence as well? But I guess to modern congregations, Paul might have put the thing the other way around. Well, you're praying well enough, well enough with your intelligence, you're praying well enough in English, but what about praying with your spirit? What about speaking in tongues? So two reasons for speaking in tongues there. A um, bit more in my booklet um, that I've already mentioned to you. So let's get to the heart of the matter. If we've understood that receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit is different from conversion, it's sometimes called being baptized in the Spirit, it's sometimes called the Spirit coming on you, that Jesus promised this, in fact, told his disciples not to leave Jerusalem without it because they needed that if they were going to be powerful witnesses for Jesus. And if we've understood that the evidence that we've received this is the ability to speak in a language you've not yet learnt, naturally speaking, then the question is, how can I get started? How can I receive this? And I'm trusting that you want to if you haven't. Well, the first thing 
I'm going to answer this directly from passages of scripture and I should do it fairly quickly because we want to have time to pray with you at the end first one is ask let's see what Jesus said in Luke 11 starting at verse 9 Jesus says I say to you ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and the door will be open to you now most Christians know that verse as a precious promise to claim with respect to general answers to prayer but as we shall see when we get to verse 13 it is good for general answers to prayer but the context is Jesus talking about praying for the Holy Spirit let's read on for everyone who asks receives he who seeks finds to him who knocks the door will be opened which of you fathers if your son asks for a fish will give him a snake instead or if he asks for an egg will give him a scorpion well of course Jesus knew very well that the disciples wouldn't dream of giving their children scorpions or snakes when they ask for eggs and fish <laughs> of course not and so he says, if you then, verse 13, though you are evil, compared with God, you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It's as simple as that. Jesus said it. Do you want this? Do you want this this morning? Then ask this morning. Jesus says you will receive. That's it. Ask and you will receive. What are you going to receive? The power of the Holy Spirit, which will initially give you the ability to speak a language you haven't learned and which will empower you as you seek the leading of the Holy Spirit and the other gifts of the Holy Spirit to be a witness for him. All right. So ask. But of course, when you ask, you need to believe because obviously we have to ask in faith. I think most Christians understand that principle. So, second thing, receive, uh, be believe the promise and receive the gift. Let's go back to Acts 2, our two key verses for these talks. Peter replied, repent and be baptized and so on. You will receive the gift. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, even people in Brixham, which is a long way from Jerusalem, where Peter said it. The promise is for you and for all whom the Lord our God will call, which means who have come to salvation through the call of God. To be saved receive the gift believe the promise God has promised this but a promise on its own isn't a lot of use until it becomes a gift the good news is the promise 
that Jesus made and that God made back in the Old Testament as well, but the promise of Acts 1, 4 and 5 that Jesus made, the gift my father promised, became the gift on the day of Pentecost. The promise has now become the gift. The gift is available. The Holy Spirit has been given. The Holy Spirit is here. He's been moving among us this morning. He's helping me as I preach to you this morning. He's helping you understand what I'm saying this morning. The Holy Spirit is here. All you've got to do is receive the gift that's already here. You say, well, how do I do that? Well, incidentally, I should just take a drink from my, from my bottle or flask or whatever you want to call it. Jesus did say, if you're thirsty, come and drink. And actually, this scripture was quoted by one of you this morning. If anyone is thirsty, come to me and drink. People say, how do you drink? Well, when you were first born, or just say born, I guess you aren't born more than once except in the new birth, but uh, when you were born physically, when you were born, you knew how to drink. Yep, that's one of the first things a baby can do. All right. And uh, when I drink from this, this bottle, uh, I receive. I receive the water when I drink it. And it doesn't enter my head that if I drink this water, I won't receive it. So drinking and receiving are the same. But it's actually as easy as drinking. It's as simple as that. Receive. Now, one way that people received in the New Testament was through the laying on of hands. So I'm going to call this optional. Come for the laying on of hands. You don't have to. On the day of Pentecost, nobody laid hands on the disciples and they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. When Cornelius was listening to Peter preaching, the Holy Spirit came on the whole lot of them and they began to speak in tongues and Nobody laid hands on them. So it's perfectly possible, right where you are, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and begin to speak in tongues. Fine. But in Acts 8 with the Samaritans and Acts 19 with Paul, they received, and in the words of Luke in Acts 8, through the laying on of hands, the Holy Spirit was given. And so I have faith to believe that when I lay hands on you, there is an impartation of that gift that you are asking for. You need to believe that you are receiving it. You are believing God's promise. You don't have to wait for anything. You don't have to feel anything. You don't have to have a great assurance that something wonderful is happening. It's faith, not feelings. You believe and receive. And as you do so, you receive with that the ability to speak a language you've never learned. And so that brings me to the final point. We've said ask, we've said believe the promise and receive the gift. Come for the laying on of hands if you'd want to. I recommend that you do. If you're thirsty, you want to drink, well, if this is going to help you, come. And finally, you've got to speak out in faith. Let me just emphasize the word speak. 
Do you know that self-consciousness can hold you back? You know, when we're encouraged, let, let's just forget the subject of speaking in tongues from, just for a second this morning. Uh, when we're having a time of worship or a time of prayer, some of you regularly lead us in praise, lead us in prayer or whatever it may be. Others hold back. Now, that may just be you're being courteous and letting other people do it. I understand that. But part of it can be that you're a bit self-conscious and, and you, you, well, you, you don't want to. Well, can I just encourage you? I, uh, our personalities are all different, and some of us are much quicker to speak than others are. I'm one of those who's fairly quick to speak. I understand that. And maybe you're not. This is not in any sense said judgmentally or critically. Please accept it in a spirit of love. If you're the kind of person who, a bit self-conscious, well, can I say, forget about yourself and think about Jesus who gives you the Holy Spirit. Okay? Just, try, just forget yourself and, and just believe that he's giving you this. But you have got to speak. You can't speak in tongues without speaking. You can't speak English without speaking. You can't speak without using your voice and your lips and your tongue. Is this stating the obvious? But it helps some people. So... You've got to speak. What does it say? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, Acts 2, 4, and began to speak. They began to speak. The Holy Spirit enabled them to speak something they didn't understand, a language they didn't know, but they had to do the speaking. Acts 10, 46. As the Jews heard the Gentiles speaking in tongues and praising God, they knew that they had received the Spirit. They were speaking in tongues. Acts 19.6, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and went on to prophesy as well. But they were speaking. And what does Paul say in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 18? I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. This is the great Apostle Paul the great intellectual, great theologian of the early church. He was grateful that he could speak words that he didn't understand, that he could pray with his spirit. When Justin Welby was asked, shortly after he became Archbishop of Canterbury, you're an evangelical, do you speak in tongues? He said, oh yes, every day it's a good devotional exercise. Good for Justin Welby. See, it's not just Pentecostals who speak in tongues. That was the case once, about 100 years ago. But in the last, I don't know, 40, 50 years, people from all parts of God's church have been rejoicing in this wonderful ability. And it can be yours for the asking. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit Brixham.Church.